runs far and wide. This abuse runs far and wide. It's the truth. Don't you lie. From the Wisconsin State Journal, I'm Elizabeth Beyer. This is Front Page, a podcast that takes a look back at some of the State Journal's most interesting recent stories. Today's episode, my colleague, higher education reporter Kelly Meyerhofer, exposed problems in a UW-Madison engineering lab that university leadership was largely unaware of until a graduate student working in the lab died by suicide in 2016. In January, the professor who ran the lab is eligible to return to campus against the wishes of a growing number of graduate students. In the beginning of December, students protested the possible return of Dr. Akbar Saeed outside of the UW Engineering Hall. In a way, it feels like he's getting rewarded for this when it's, you know, obviously a very bad outcome to have a student commit suicide. And, um, yeah, so my gut reaction is this is pretty upsetting. I'd like to see strong leadership on the side of department and institutional chairs, obviously not just locally, but you know across academic training centers, to say we have clear no tolerance policies on workplace harassment, bullying, toxic environments. This is what that looks like, and these are the consequences for people who perpetuate that behavior. Lives are worth more than grants. Hear us roar. Hear us chant. Hear us roar. Here's my colleague, Kelly Meyerhofer, with more. I received a 92-page report last spring in response to a records request I had made earlier. And that report detailed an investigation into an engineering professor, Dr. Akbar Saeed, and the work environment in his lab where several graduate students had assisted him on uh, his research over the years. And the report referenced a death of a male student, but this person's name was redacted. And based on my reading of the report, it it appeared that the death was what prompted the investigation. So I knew I had to find out who this student was and try to talk to his family. And I thought that would help fill in a lot of the gaps from the report. But I was missing the student's name. So I went through our obituaries uh, during that time, October 2016, and also went through other university records, and I eventually found what I thought was the name of the student. The obituaries said he had died unexpectedly, but it also included the names of his family members, So I used a variety of online search engines uh, where you can try to find people's contact information. And I left a bunch of uh, what I'm sure were quite a few awkward voicemails. Uh, One of those messages was returned to me. It was a man from Delaware, Jim Brady. And he said the death referred to in the report was his son, John Brady. What happened during that conversation with John Brady's father? It was a Wednesday morning in October, and I remember this because Jim mentioned to me on that day that it was the three-year anniversary of of his son's death. Uh, He was 28 when he died. I didn't establish at the outset of our conversation that this was an on-the-record interview uh, with, with something this sensitive involving a suicide and also with people who aren't 
you know, real accustomed to talking to the media, I knew I, I needed to specifically request his permission to include him and his son in the story. So we had our conversation, and I um, was fully expecting that, that he would say, no, please don't print this, and I, I would honor those wishes. Um, but we talked for about two hours that first day, and, uh, you know, finally when he seemed to, to come to the end of his story, I, I made my pitch fully expecting to be shot down. And I said, listen, it sounds like you still have a lot of questions for UW-Madison, and I'd like to get you some answers. So please talk to your family and, and let me know what you decide. And again, I was not hopeful because a lot of times with a lot of stories, you know, people just are not comfortable in having their stories so publicly out there. But I got an email from him uh, that afternoon. He wrote to me, Kelly, I discussed your conversation with my wife and son, and we've all agreed that you should go forward and see where it leads. We'd like to know whether there have been any sub substantive policy changes at UW. So in investigating this, did you find out what happened in the years leading up to John Brady's death? Jim told me that John came to UW-Madison in 2010 with the hopes of earning a doctorate in electrical engineering. Jim himself uh, had an engineering doctoral degree, and uh, John was extremely bright. He, he interned at NASA. He loved science fiction. Uh, these are just a few of the things I learned in my conversations with Jim. Um, when he arrived at the university, he almost immediately started working with Dr. Akbar Saeed. Um, in 2013, a few years after he, he came to the university, they got some money uh, from a federal research agency to begin prototype modeling work. During that time, in the first few years, you know, it, it seemed like things were going well, but over time, uh, John's time in the lab became uh, much more stressful. Um, you know, in the report, it says that a retired professor interviewed nearly a dozen students who had worked in the lab. Uh, they said they were called monkeys, slaves, dumber than his two-year-old. It was a demoralizing environment, uh, yelling, screaming, threats about withholding their degree. Students left after a few months or a single semester or a year, even if it meant losing their funding. Uh, Dr. Saeed would often say that whoever left at that time wasn't smart enough or not working hard enough. From Jim's perspective, this turnover should have been a red flag to the college, but at the time, leaders didn't monitor lab attrition, so these, these people cycling in and out went, went unnoticed. And the students that left, I mean, most of the work that they left behind was put on John Brady, which pushed his degree further back. Uh, you know, at the time of his death in October 2016, he was in his seventh year in a program that officials say is typically lasts five to six years. Students in the lab told the, the investigator that they had attempted to inform Dr. Saeed about the effect his behavior had on students. Sometimes it worked. His personality changed for a few weeks or a few months, but eventually he, he reverted back to his previous, previous uh, ways. And the report said this toxic environment continued for at least four years.
following this uh, investigation uh, conducted by UW-Madison, were there any changes in regard to the lab or the program? Yeah, the first, I think it's important to note that the you know, the college was, was largely unaware of these problems at the time that they were happening, and it was only when the dean of the engineering college called Jim to, to offer his condolences shortly after John's death that Jim told him, you need to look into this lab. So that's what led to the investigation. And after the investigation, the university uh, says it's made several institutional changes. Uh, there's a survey, students annually fill out now to assess their progress in these multi-year programs. They can solicit feedback from their advisors. But most notably, the survey also includes an option for graduate students to, to check a box and confidentially request a meeting with college leadership so that they can discuss problems that they may be uncomfortable bringing forward directly to their advisor or department chairperson. The university has emphasized that this is an extreme and isolated event. It's not representative of what most graduate students on campus experience, and their position is that you know they do not tolerate the hostile and intimidating behavior that they found to persist in this case. Uh, UW-Madison's made an effort in, in recent years to communicate the reporting process and also point students to resources, including access to mental health services. Uh, the university put Dr. Saeed on an unpaid suspension for two years, which officials say is a significant sanction because of the interruption it had on his research. Prior to the first story coming out, the university's original position was that when he can return uh, next year, January, uh, they have safeguards in place so that uh, when he returns to campus, students will be safe. There was going to be a, an outside committee monitoring him and his working group. Uh, but after the first story ran and, and graduate students raised concerns about the prospect of this professor working directly with students again, UW-Madison now says he has been reassigned to administrative work for the time being. Following your reporting, what was Dr. Saeed's reaction to the stories? Well, like any story, you always contact people before uh, before the story runs. So I, I tried contacting him a bunch of different ways, um, a bunch of different times leading up to that first story. I emailed his university email address multiple times. I've called his office phone. I also left messages on his home phone. Uh, I even drove to his, his home address, which I found in Dane County property records. And I tried knocking on his door one evening. Uh, the lights were on, and there was a car in the driveway, but, but no one answered. So I left a handwritten note informing him of the coming story and saying that I, I really did want to hear from him and, and his perspective. Uh, but I never got a response. He did supply a 54-page response, written response, to, to the university in, in the report. It was a supplement. Uh, and in that response, he largely denied abusing his authority, um, but he acknowledged responsibility for his behavior. 
he indicated that he had had problems with his father growing up, and that's led to anger management problems that he has been in counseling for many years to address. And uh, what was the, the campus response following your reporting? So graduate students held a protest in early December. They do not want him to return to campus at all because from their perspective, it sets a bad precedent that the university tolerates this sort of abusive behavior. The students that I've spoken to are grateful that UW-Madison moved Dr. Saeed away from students next semester, uh, but they see that the university's changes so far as still placing the burden on students to report bad behavior. You know, from the student's perspective, what UW-Madison has done is just not enough to protect them from these scenarios. We stand up to this abuse. We won't take it. We refuse. We won't take it. We refuse. We stand up to this abuse. We stand up to this abuse. Chad Salman and Stephen Dennison are third-year doctoral students in the Electrical and Computer Engineering Department, the department in which John Brady worked for years. Dennison is a member of the Electrical and Computer Engineering Graduate Student Association, a group that recently wrote a letter to department leadership urging widespread reform. The letter outlined two goals, uh, one, to prevent Dr. Saeed from returning to UW-Madison, and two, to enact school-wide policy changes to prevent tragedies like John Brady's death from happening again. I was around, actually, during that time uh, as a master's student, and after, after seeing this report, I kind of wanted to look back and see what did we actually hear about this, because it had been three years since, since the incident. And I think the only communication that I received uh, was from the department chair at the time, just mentioning, you know, it was a, it was a sad email saying basically that a student passed away um, and that there was grievance counseling if you wanted to talk with the advisor. But it was kind of like, it just seemed kind of very anonymous and there weren't any details about circumstances or um, it, I don't I didn't even... Even I think the student's name was mentioned for signing a card, a condolence card, but that was it. That was all we had heard. That was, that's all I had heard um, at, from the department at the time until until this recent reporting. I, I think it's true for for several of the, our student population. Like we all kind of were shocked by the news. As far as um, any of us knowing this, the the, the actual problem that had happened, the details of the investigation, you know, most of the student body was kind of oblivious to this. And from even what I've kind of heard, I, th I think a lot of faculty were not fully aware uh, of this incident if they weren't involved directly. So it kind of was a big shock to us uh, to hear about this. And so that's kind of like the main prompt is that, you know, we kind of saw, we saw the details and, um, and then saw that the, that Professor Dr. Saeed was was supposed to return and it kind of was like you know this this something doesn't seem right we need to try and make changes to make sure that this doesn't happen again so that kind of was the impetus for creating this letter um was to just kind of you know voice that we we think that this is a problem that doesn't just exist in our department or across the college so you know in academia in general in terms of people that can get away with abuse and then not taking grievances seriously or making grievances difficult to to file. And so that was kind of like, 
from my from my feeling, that's kind of what made everyone kind of get on board with, or many of us get on board with creating this uh, creating this letter to try and make some changes yeah. positive. Because we did not know about this, we feel like there's this bad precedent of like lack of transparency, and that um, this just sets a bad precedent going forward. If there is um, some sort of investigation, if there is an abusive faculty member. Um, then how will we know and how will we be able to protect ourselves and our peers uh, from being mistreated? Hear us roar! Hear us chant! Hear us roar! Hear us chant! Lives are worth more than grants! Lives are worth more than grants! Thanks for listening to Front Page, a podcast that takes a look back at some of the Wisconsin State Journal's most interesting recent stories. You can find this podcast on our website at www.madison.com wsj iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. Lives are worth more than grants!